Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, Leslie, our Disneyland expert, lays out what regular Disneyland visitors need to know if they're coming out east to visit Walt Disney World. What are major differences between the parks and what do Disneyland regulars need to adjust for? The episode also serves as a good wrap-up of a lot of the stuff that we've talked about so far and also could serve as a good primer if you're a beginner going to Disney World. Final episodes of the podcast at DisneyDecipher.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review. You can also email us at DisneyDecipher.com, connect with us on Twitter at WDWDeciphered, or on Facebook at DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As a Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back. So, Leslie... A dirty little secret that uh, people may or may not know, but Disneyland is actually your home park, not Disney World. Is that correct? Basically, now at least. I live in Northern California, so I get to Disneyland much more often than I get to Disney World. But I guess if you have to say home park, I did grow up in Alabama, so Disney World was the first one I ever went to. So you're so you're just hedging your bets. You're not going to commit either way, huh? No, I'll commit. I'm, I'm more of a Disneyland uh, aficionado these days, but I, of course, love Disney World and go there often and love it enough that I'm podcasting here with you about it, Joe. Of course. And of course, I greatly appreciate that. So you uh, were recently Disneyland had some, you know, fancy event to promote this thing called Pixar Fest. So why don't you just tell people a little bit about what Pixar Fest is and what you learned in your time there? Yes, it just launched on April 13th, 2018. It goes through September 3rd at Disneyland, and it's in both parks and all over the entire resort, hotels, downtown Disney, all that sort of thing. And it's just a celebration of all things Pixar, the movies, the characters, the theme of Pixar Fest is friendship, which is obviously huge in a lot of Pixar movies, if you think of like the friendship between Nemo and Dory and Buzz and Woody and all that good stuff. And It started in the spring right now with the return of Paint the Night Parade, the return of the Pixar Play Parade, and a brand new fireworks show that uses all that production technology that you guys probably know from Happily Ever After in Disney World. And those are the big things right now. And then there's sort of a second phase in uh, June. June 23rd is the launch of Pixar Pier, which is a new area in Disney California Adventure They're going to turn California Screaming into the Incredicoaster. They're going to open a new sort of section that's rethemed with different Pixar movies. So it's really a big transformation for the parks. It was a ton of fun. The food is amazingly creative and almost so cute that you don't want to eat it. But, you know, I did eat it. Because that's what food is for. All right. So that's enough about Disneyland. I mean, we're not a Disneyland podcast, but we thought that for today's episode, it would be interesting to just... You know, I got this tweet the other day, uh, which was a comparison of the amount of rain that Disneyland and Disney World get. And uh, the tweeter at Milenomics said to me, why Disneyland is better than Disney World in one picture, which was, uh, it was a pretty good, it was a pretty good gag. Fair enough. So, <laughs> yeah. But the fact of the matter is sometimes people who visit Disneyland on the regular, they may want to come to Disney World. So my question for you and today's episode is just about, you know, what do Disneyland people need to know if they're going to come over, if they're going to deign to come over to the East Coast to Walt Disney World? But let's start with this, Leslie. Why do you think even if Disneyland is your home park, Walt Disney World is worth checking out if you're on the West Coast? Yeah, I think it's worth it just because there's so much that's different. I mean, Disney World was kind of 2.0. Walt 
had a very limited budget in building Disneyland. And I think the the legacy that's been left reflects that. I mean, that's a much smaller footprint park and it's, he couldn't do all that he wanted to do. And then, you know, when it came time to plan Disney World, he had a bigger budget, bought more land and did things a little differently. And of course, there's just a lot more at Disney World. There's more more parks, there are water parks, there are more hotels. It's a different experience. And I think it's worth it for for families to give both a try. There are advantages and disadvantages to each one. That's well put. Let's uh, just give people who are used to Disneyland just a little bit of a primer as to what they need to know when they're going to Walt Disney World. So where would you like to start? What are some of the things that people that visit Disneyland regularly need to know if they're going to come visit Walt Disney World? The biggest tip that I have is you have got to change your planning timeline. Everybody at Disneyland plans pretty last minute, even, I mean, if you're a local, very last minute, because there's a huge locals community that goes to Disneyland. But if you're somebody like me, who's not a local, I still don't plan my Disneyland vacations more than maybe a couple of months in advance. Disney World, totally different ballgame. You're talking, I mean, people plan their Disney World vacations a year or more in advance. The timelines that you need to worry about are very different and you just have to be prepared to do more work. But, <laughs> you know, it, there's a payoff for that. So I, I you know, the things you, the big numbers you have to think about at Disney World, like dining reservations at Disneyland, they don't open until 60 days in advance at Disney World. They open 180 days in advance. So I don't know about you, but, you know, I don't really know where I'm going to eat six months in advance, but you kind of got to know that for Disney World or at least make some uh, tentative reservations for the most popular things. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast, just because I get the impression that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the impression that you can go to Disneyland with, you know, you, you should plan, but, you know, with a fairly, I guess, quote unquote, normal amount of planning. But I feel like, you know, when you're going to Walt Disney World, it's just such a huge thing, such a huge learning curve. You know, that's why we're here to decipher it. So, you know, I don't know if that's accurate or am I totally wrong? Can I not just show up at Disneyland and do my best? You can totally show up at Disneyland and do your best. And, you know, honestly, you can at Disney World too, certain times of year. But, you know, if you want to maximize the experience and, and you're spending a lot of money to go to Disney destinations. So the planning is really necessary, I think, especially for families with young kids where there are additional challenges that can throw you off your game. But yeah, I think Disneyland, I mean, I definitely have made very last minute decisions and gone down there, you know, a week in advance, something like that. Myself, Disney World, I've never planned that last minute. All right. So let's talk about the size of the parks. It's my impression that, you know, if you're a walker like me, you can basically do both Disneyland and California Adventure via walking. So, you know, what kind of heads up would you give to people coming over to Walt Disney World about just the size and scope of the parks? Yeah, you very much can do Disneyland with your own two, two feet. I just did it myself at Pixar Fest. You know, stayed at an on-property hotel and walked between the two parks. There's just a couple hundred feet separating the entrances of them and never got in any sort of vehicle except for to come to and from the airport. But Disney World, very different ball game. The parks are you really can't walk between the parks. Maybe, maybe you can Epcot and Hollywood studios, but you can't walk between the parks. You're going to be taking transit. You're, you're going to be taking transit from your hotel to the parks for the most part with a few exceptions. So you, you've just got to plan for that. 
that lost time in a lot of ways. I mean, it is, it is lost time. I mean, if you're going to park hop, if you're going to go to a different hotel for a meal. So you have to think everything you're built into your schedule has got to allow for those connections to be made. And they're, they're significant. You know, I, I definitely, the first time I went to Disney world, when I hadn't been for several years after having gone to Disneyland very regularly, I just kind of was like, why am I wasting all this time on buses? You know, I could just be on my next ride by now if I were at Disneyland, but you got to let that go. People, you got to, you know, there, there are things to be explored that are different and unique and exciting, but you have to suffer through the additional time and and distance complications, I'd say. Yeah, I would say that if you are planning on park hopping, like on a given day, you need to budget in like at least half an hour, but kind of more realistically an hour um, between parks. In fact, you know, if you're park hopping at Disney World, especially if you're staying on site, I'd probably recommend just going back to your hotel for a nap first and going to the different parks. So I I think park hopping is like a totally different beast, um, you know, just because like you said, uh, you're losing that much time. My heart is still broken for like a few months in uh, 2017 Disney World had these express buses that you could pay, you know, a nominal fee, but you could go straight from park to park and not have to go through security again, which is another big deal when you're transiting between parks at Disney World. Um, but that's gone now. So, you know, that time to travel is like huge again. And even more so if you're driving a car. Yeah. Rest in peace, express transportation. But I think, I think the minivans killed it, honestly, but that's another option. I guess we talked about that in our transportation episode. If you haven't heard that one yet about how to jump from park to park, perhaps more quickly than waiting for filled buses. Yeah. I definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, if you want to hear the different options to get between the parks and hotels at Disney world. And since we released that episode, they have actually rolled out minivans to all Disney resorts. So if you're staying at any Disney on-site, you now have access to minivans. All right. So Disneyland, are there only two on-site hotels or is it three? There are three and soon to be four. The the fourth has been announced. They're in the process of closing down some businesses in downtown Disney to start the construction there. So right now there are three, um, Grand Californian, the Disneyland Hotel, and Disney's Paradise Pier. And they all are pretty much equivalent to a deluxe at Walt Disney World. They're all pretty expensive. It's rare to get, get any of them for much under... 300 a night or maybe 250 a night for Paradise Pier, which is a little bit cheaper. But for Disneyland folks who are headed to Disney World, you'll be pleasantly surprised because there are on-property hotels that are a lot cheaper at Disney World. They have the different tiers of value moderate and deluxe. So that's one thing I really like about Disney World is I can still stay on the on property, you know, in the on, on property bubble, but I don't have to spend three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars a night to do that if I want to stay at a value resort. That's a huge benefit to me. Yeah, and we have an episode on the benefits of staying at an on-site hotel at Disney World. So, you know, we recommend you check that out as well if you're coming from Disneyland. The other the other thing that is pretty different is that Disneyland still uses paper fast passes as of this recording and they have the new max pass system, which Disneyland fans are probably familiar with, but what do people need to know about fast pass plus in Walt Disney world and how does that work? 
so sort of they still use paper fast passes. I think there's still these paper reminders if you book them at the kiosk that you that you might remember from Disney World days years ago. But it, I mean Disneyland is is now digital and they now have this this sort of max pass option that you can pay extra for where you can book fast passes on your phone. But it's all digital and very different at Disney World. There's Fast Pass Plus. You're booking them in the My Disney Experience app and you're booking them if you're staying on an on-property hotel, uh, up to 60 days in advance for everyone else, 30 days in advance. So this is where the pre-planning comes in that I talked about. You know, Disneyland, the same day. You go, you go into the park, you either run to a fast pass kiosk with your ticket or you open up your phone and pay for MaxPass and book a fast pass there. And you can only do it for the same day, which is kind of freeing. But also, if you're a pre-planner, sometimes <laughs> frustrating because you don't know what you're going to be able to get. But Disney World, you are planning that well before your vacation. You can get your three fast passes a day pre-booked and you know what you're going to be doing for the day, what park you're going to be heading. So that's that's the huge differential between the fast pass systems. And, you know, this all continues to evolve because MaxPass is still pretty new. It was unveiled, I think, in July of 2017. So it's not even a year old and people love it. I love MaxPass at Disneyland and I can get a ton of rides in and not as much the case with the three per day at Disney World. So there's just a lot more to do though besides rides at Disney World. So I think the calculus is different. Yeah. So if you're staying on site, you can make those FastPass plus reservations at Disney World 60 days in advance. And if you're off site, uh, you can do it 30 days in advance. And finally, for Disneyland people, you know, I've heard this, although I received a report that from a Disney World person that this didn't seem true, but I've heard that the food at Disneyland is a lot better, but it seems like dining at Disney World is such a bigger to do. I mean, people make reservations 180 days in advance and like everything gets booked up and it's really tough to get reservations. So, you know, what would you warn people coming from Disneyland about how just the dining is different over in Disney World? I'm sounding like a broken record, but again, the the pre-planning is the, the big differential. And, and it does seem like people care a lot more about dining at Disney World, getting those primo reservations for, you know, Chef Mickey's if they want their character dining reservation or some of the fancier restaurants if they want to have a parent's night out or a couple's night. And it's just not as big of a deal at Disneyland. And, you know, I haven't eaten at enough of the nicer restaurants to say that the food is better at Disneyland. I mean, uh, you know, it's in California, we take our food pretty seriously. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the case, but I find the food at Disney world pretty good too. Um, at the nicer restaurants that I have been to, I'm kind of more of a grab a churro and keep going kind of girl. I don't waste a lot of time on dining, but if you are the kind of person who wants to spend time and have a nice meal, you do have to book those reservations in advance. And, you know, if not, there's a lot of quick service options you can, you can still lean on. Um, and we've covered a few of those in our different Parks 101 series. What are our favorite places where you can just grab a quick bite that is delicious? All right. So anything else you think people should know uh, before they make their first trip over from the west side of Disney? Last thing I'll leave you with is how long you need. Disneyland, people go for a day or two, or if there's someone like me coming from you know, a quick fly market, uh, maybe you go for a long weekend, three days. I think you need way more time than that at Disney World, especially if you're a first timer. 
We've talked about that this on one of our other episodes about how long you need at Disney World, but I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice to go the distance and only go for two or three days. A little Hercules reference in there for you guys. So <laughs> bottom line, if you're coming to Walt Disney World, you're going to have to plan ahead or you'll have a much smoother experience if you plan ahead. So um, yeah, bear that in mind. All right. That about does it for this episode, unless you have any final thoughts. That sounds good, Joe. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Joe. You love podcasts. The stories, the laughs, the unexpected turns. But when this episode ends, the silence starts. Not anymore. Audiobooks.com turns that silence into your next great adventure. With over 450,000 titles, from bestsellers to hidden gems, your love for listening just found its new best friend. And because you already know the joy of audio, we're giving you three free audiobooks to start your journey. Imagine your favorite podcast, now with unlimited episodes. That's audiobooks.com. Keep the story going. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com slash podcast free today. Because for podcast lovers like you, the end of an episode is just the beginning. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E.